This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Time now to talk a little college football. And to do that, joining us now is Kelly Ford at thelines.com. You can also follow him on X at KFordRatings. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us. We got to start with Colorado. It's always topic of conversation this season. And after uh, really getting hammered against Oregon, now they face USC as 21.5-point dogs at home. The total is 73.5. What have we learned about Colorado after last week, and what can they do against USC? Yeah, water has really found its level with Colorado for me and my power rating. They came into the year, much like USC last year, with so much roster turnover via the transfer portal, probably too underrated by my model. Colorado is up 7.4 points in the power ratings from the preseason. That's top 10 nationally in terms of biggest upgrades. However, in the last two weeks, they are down nearly a field goal. So the model very quickly got up to speed on them. And now we've maybe seen the last two weeks more what we can expect of Colorado after their win in overtime against Colorado State and then the blowout loss at Oregon. So my numbers make this USC minus um, 18. So I I like Colorado a little bit more than Vegas does in this one. It's a 11% chance for Colorado to win this game outright. The offense has been pretty darn good. It's a top 50 unit. The defense has been better than expected, but they're still hovering in that mid-90s. That's a problem because this USC offense, by my numbers, led by Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, of course, is the number one offense in the entire country. So I expect a pretty Mm. even matchup between Shadur Sanders and that USC defense, but it's the other side of the ball, that Caleb Williams-led offense against a, uh, a pretty weak Colorado defense. I know the game's in Boulder. Maybe that helps them a little bit, but I just don't see it. It's an 89% chance USC gets the win by my numbers. What does it say to you when you have that blowout victory last week on the Oregon side and the point spread was about the same? But, like, what does it say about the ratings, the difference between USC, Oregon, uh, changes in venues, just just the whole matchups, and that happens after Colorado's first loss? Yeah, so last week, my number, so it was interesting to track the Oregon-Colorado line because the week before, before the Colorado State game, I think the line was like Oregon minus 14. Well, my numbers had it Oregon minus 20. And so then when that game happens, my line changed to like Oregon minus 21 and a half, I think. So I moved like a point and a half following that game. Vegas moved it a whole touchdown, right? And so I wasn't reacting as much. And I get why Vegas did it because of the public perception of Colorado. And they're trying to balance even money. I'm trying to get a minimal or a minimized uh, absolute error. So my line for USC Colorado didn't change that much from last week, even with the blowout loss. Colorado's power rating came down about a point and a half. But USC's actually came down two points um, from following their, you know, 14-point win. But a lot of people probably went to bed. USC didn't look great in that game on the road at Arizona State. They got the win, and that's what's important. But their power rating fell actually by more than Colorado. So my line didn't change too much. I know the public perception, again, of Colorado shifted drastically following that blowout loss. The model, not so much. So that would be what I think is the biggest difference between how Vegas is moving their lines to try to even that money and how I'm moving mine to try to accurately capture what is the true predictive power rating of these teams. Hmm. I'm curious your thoughts, um, talking about some other Pac-12 teams. The Huskies have looked really good. And also Wazoo, Washington State with Cam Ward, they're 4-0 ATS. They had an upset last week. I mean, they could 
do some things as well. I mean, this is so tough in the Pac-12. How do you rate those two teams? Yeah, Aaron, the, the Pac-12 is awesome. And I said it all summer, this was the conference race I was most looking forward to. And that was even before the news about the demise of the Pac-12 in 2024. So now I'm enjoying it all the more with that as the, as the context. But yes, you mentioned those two teams from Washington. Washington, the Huskies, are up 8.8 points from the preseason. I mentioned Colorado 7.4. Only Oklahoma has been upgraded more in the power rating model, in my power rating model, from the preseason to right now. 8.8 points. The Huskies are all the way up uh, to number eight right now in my power ratings. They have the number two offense in the entire country, led by Heisman Trophy frontrunner uh, Penix. So they're very, very good. Washington State, in their own right, they're up 6.9 points. That's 10th best in the entire country. So the Pac-12, they've been awesome. Oregon's also up there in in that top Mm -hmm. 10, too. So I knew they were going to be good. I knew it was going to be a fun race. I've even underestimated how good and how much fun this race would be. So, yes, both of those teams certainly in the mix. I right now have Washington as the number two favorite to make it to Las Vegas in the Pac-12 championship game behind Oregon, a 57% chance for the Huskies. But it really is a three-team race for me, Oregon, Washington, USC. Washington State's hanging around. They have a 7% chance to make it. That is currently sixth best in the conference. And, you know, we talk about a game like Utah and Oregon State. That's a game of significance when it comes to who's jockeying for position and maybe who can creep up the standings, things like that. Uh, right now, the Beavs are three and a half point favorites against Utah, total 44 and a half. How do you see this game playing out? My numbers like Oregon State to win it, but not quite as much as Vegas. So similar to the um, USC Colorado game we talked about, I have Oregon State minus one and a half. So it's a 45% chance that Utah gets this win on the road these these teams have been interesting because what I thought was going to be the strength of the teams coming into the year, the Utah offense and the Oregon State defense, what the numbers are showing now is that's that's actually been flipped. And so from an Oregon or from a excuse me, a Utah standpoint, it makes sense because Cam Rising hasn't played at quarterback. And so coming into the year, I thought this is a top 15 offense and a top 25 defense. Cam Rising hasn't played. It's understandable that the offense hasn't played up to a top 15 level. The defense, though, has been very impressive. I right now have this Utah defense top five nationally, again, coming into the year number 22. So um, I've been very impressed on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to need that this week against an Oregon State offense led by DJU that I have as top 15 now when coming into the year. I thought maybe it'd be the defense that was the better of the two. Now it's been the offense that's played better. So Oregon State coming off their first loss. Utah still undefeated. Yes, this is a huge game for both teams. Utah this is a big game for them, but I would hope that they're not rushing Cam Rising back if he's not 100% ready, and I don't think they will. They have their off week next week before they get Cal, and then they really get into the meat of the conference schedule there, a trip to USC, a home game against Oregon. They have to go to Washington later in the year. So I hope they don't rush back Cam Rising, but if he's ready, they can use him. They'll need him uh, because my numbers do like Oregon State in this one by about a point and a half. Kelly, so coming off all the big games from this past Saturday, wondering if it impacts with with your numbers I'm guessing nothing the following week because you know old school betters and there are still some people that do stuff like this like oh after such an emotional win there's that letdown factor or you know next week is whatever game like if you're talking about Michigan Ohio State they're looking ahead this is a sandwich pod this is the game that they're not worried about it was let you know last week and then they got this next one rivalry game big for the conference whatever When you hear stuff like that, what is your honest reaction? Do you think there's any validity to it, even though I know you don't put it in your numbers? Yeah, 
Joe, I do. I think scheduling dynamics are absolutely a valid consideration that any college football fan and especially college football bettors need to be considering. And yes, scheduling dynamics in terms of, you know, the, the sandwich games, the trap games, the, the big look ahead, the, the letdown after a big win or, or a deflating loss, the model doesn't capture those. That's why you see probably more significant swings, as we talked about with Colorado a couple times here recently, in spreads from week to week, whereas my model probably won't react that much. It's going to react, but it's trained to not overreact to the most recent result, that recency bias that humans just innately have. I mean, I have it. I'm training the model to not have it, right? And so um, we can't help it. It's human nature. And that's why it is a thing, though, because we have humans playing these games and not just humans, 18 to 22-year-old college kids. Like, they are very emotional. They get very high. They get very low. (laughs) Coaches have a very tough job of trying to keep that even keel. That's what the model does. The model keeps it even keel. It tries to filter out some of that noise, some of that emotion, and figure out, okay, what is the appropriate projected spread for these games, regardless of what the public is thinking and how that, what the, quote, momentum and direction of these teams are, whether it's up or down week to week. Well, having said all that, what are some of your favorite cider totals for this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, Aaron. Um, and as you guys know, I work in college um, athletics. I work at the Horizon League Conference office, so I am not able to actually give mm. any betting advice. My numbers are out there, and they're on my website for those that enjoy doing those things, as the listeners and, and viewers <laughs> of this show I know do, um, and you guys do. So I must refrain from answering that question due to NCAA rules. However, my numbers are out there. You can see my projected spread for every single game now and in future weeks um, on the team dashboard uh, page of my website, ratings.com so take that information for what you will i will say as well people that have used my numbers have experienced financial gains of course i have not again to make that clear um but the model's not the end all be all no model is bill Connolly's sp plus brian from O's fei those are awesome metrics no model is the end all be all you need to consider things outside of the model no model can capture everything so it's a starting point it's not the absolutely because the k forward rating said this it's going to happen it is right more than it's wrong though i have to say <laughs> well, let me piggyback off of uh, Joe's question here when it comes to, you know, big letdowns and emotional arcs and things like that. Let's take a team like Notre Dame, for instance, uh, after a really tough loss with 10 defensive players on the field against Ohio State, losing that game at home. And now they travel to Duke. They are five and a half point favorites with a total of 52 and a half. Is that a place where maybe Notre Dame experiences a bit of a letdown? Because look, we've seen Duke be hungry. They upset Clemson. That was a big win for the Blue Devils. I wonder if Notre Dame is coming into this uh, with a certain grit or are they in, you know, a potential emotional letdown mode? It's human nature. Uh, They got to be in a human letdown mode. You're hoping, though, that Marcus Freeman, Sam Hartman, and the leaders on that team have picked themselves up by this point, right? This game was last Saturday. Now it's Wednesday. We got to refocus because this is a a real good Duke team. I, I swear... I didn't plan this. It's just how the conversation's gone. I'm talking about all these biggest teams or teams that have improved the most from the preseason. Duke's number three on that list. So we've touched on almost the whole top 10 now. Duke's up 8.4 points from the preseason. Only Oklahoma and Washington have improved their K forward rating more. So Duke's a legit team. They're very good. They're top 10 on my most deserving rankings. They're top 25 in the power ratings. Notre Dame cannot take them lightly. Um, Duke has a bye or they have an off week after this game. So they're going to throw everything at this before they regroup for the second half of their schedule. Notre Dame coming off the Ohio State game. It's certainly not going to be a look ahead, but they have another tough game next week. They're on the road to Duke this week. Then they go on the road to Louisville, a very similar team to Duke by my numbers. Um, so 
Notre Dame can't afford to be letting Ohio State beat them twice. Uh, I don't think they will. My numbers like Notre Dame in this one by about five and a half to 65% win expectancy for the Irish. So yes, human nature to be a letdown spot. Your hope if you're a Notre Dame fan is that the coaching staff and the leaders on that team won't allow Ohio State to beat them twice because if they are not fully focused or if they are not up for this game, Duke absolutely will get it done and continue what's been a great season for Duke. This is two years in a row. Duke and Kansas. How about that? Traditional yep. college basketball powers. They've announced <laughs> themselves here in 2022 and 2023 as they are not doormats in college football anymore. I'm not saying they're going to go win their conferences just yet, but if they keep playing like this over the course of the next couple of years, they could be in a position where now we're talking about them year in, year out as contenders within their conferences. And, and how about this spot for Ole Miss? You're talking all week. It's the big build-up game. You go to Bryant-Denny, and people are expecting you to pull off the upset because we haven't seen this many quarterback issues uh, with Nick Saban's team in quite some time. They end up losing by a couple touchdowns. Game was pretty close, but they couldn't get anything going offensively. So you follow up the Bama game with an LSU game, and you're a a two-and-a-half-point home underdog. What do you think about this matchup? You want to talk about just like a brutal stretch. I mean, at Alabama, home to LSU, my numbers actually like Ole Miss in this game by two and a half points, um, 58% win expectancy for the Rebels. Yeah, I mean, I have these two teams power-rated right next to each other. Ole Miss is number 13, LSU is number 14. LSU has the best unit on the field. Their offense is number four by my numbers, Um, Mm -hmm. but they have the worst unit on the field. Their defense is number 62. So to me, I do expect both offenses to – kind of have their way and, and be the better units on the field. But I just – I got real concerns about this LSU defense, which is not something you'd think maybe you'd say about a team that has the star power that they have. Um, but I do have concerns, and I do think Ole Miss being at home, coming off of an emotional loss, like they weren't – it wasn't that close of a game. You never felt like Alabama was really in danger in that game. So Ole Miss, you know, they got to pick themselves up, get back to work, and they know they can't drop to 0-2 in SEC play or their season goals – are you know probably out the window. I think it's too early to say that, though, because my model does like Ole Miss. Um, they are currently favorites, projecting as favorites in every game down the stretch here, with the exception of the Week 11 trip to Georgia. My numbers like the Bulldogs by about a touchdown in that game. So Ole Miss is still in this thing. Yes, it hurts that you've lost the tiebreaker now to Alabama, but Alabama is not the Alabama that we've seen of years past. It's possible they could drop a game or two in conference play. And so, um, yeah, Ole Miss, they still have it in front of them. From a uh, resume standpoint, I mentioned the power ratings. These teams right next to each other. Same thing in the resumes. Ole Miss, number 15, most deserving. LSU, number 16. So this is going to be a big win for one of these teams. And the mm-hmm. loser of this game will be licking their wounds because the margin of error in the SEC, especially in the SEC West, is just so razor thin. Love it. Who are you looking at for Heisman? We have less than a minute left. Yeah, so most of my work's in, in the team level space uh, during the season, not really the Heisman. Of course, I mentioned Michael Penix Jr. Um, he's absolutely killing it for a great Washington team. I know he's among the favorites now. Caleb Williams, he is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He has to be in that conversation. The bar is elevated, though, for, for uh, Heisman Trophy winners that are returning, as we've seen. Only Archie Griffin's ever done that. Uh, Jordan Travis, I, know, I think he's fallen a little bit in, in some of the, the odds there. Not sure why, because you're the quarterback of an undefeated team that I have number two in the most deserving rankings, and you're going to be favored every game the rest of the way. So I think Jordan Travis is one to keep an eye on. Good stuff, good stuff. Kelly Ford of thelions.com, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we've got our lightning bets, our favorite plays for the evening. That's right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.